What's going on, everybody? This is Jerome Moore, host and creator of Deep Dish Conversations. And firstly, I want to say thank you for all of support and thank you for exploring the perspectives of social change with me on this platform. I want to encourage you all to like, subscribe, and follow us on YouTube and on your favorite podcast listening platform. And make sure you give us a five-star rating if you're loving the Deep Dish Conversations. I appreciate all of the support again. I hope you all enjoy this episode. This is Deep Dish, right? Yeah, well, let's get deep. So, so I'm, I'm going deep on both sides. I'm your host and creator of Deep Dish Conversations, Jerome Moore, and we're back with another amazing episode because all of our guests are amazing. And uh, we got a, another amazing brother here, um, Sean Witzel. And before we get started, shout out to the Baylor Company for sponsoring this episode. You know, if it wasn't for the Baylor Company, this episode wouldn't be possible and Sean wouldn't be here. And shout out to 312 Pizza because the pizza wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them too. Um, let, let, let's, before we get to Sean, let's get on this <laughs> on his piece of choice, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I preferably don't believe that fruit should be on pizza. So when Sean hit me up, he's like, yeah, let me get uh, chicken, you know, <laughs> onions, pineapples. I said, damn, pineapples. You know, so we so it's a little mm-hmm. more than that, though. We got spinach, we got onions, we got we got pineapples. No chicken, though. Uh, I think we got green onions, some other stuff. But it's looking good. It's busting. I haven't tasted it yet. But if you see me picking off the pineapples, just let me be. Don't have you ever it. tried it? With I have. That's okay. how I know it, okay. ain't, so it, you, ain't, it yeah. ain't for my palate. Okay, I get it. I, get I ain't going to say it's not good. It's not for my palate. All right. And then we got a whole nother deep dish like version of this. And we might swap it out. I don't know. You yeah, never we'll know. See. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. Uh, but um, Sean is here. Sean is a producer, writer. Artist, poet, uh, activist, father. Um, Keep hyping me up. Yep. I, I, <laughs> you know, I he just he just organizer. Me, you know, he, he he does he he does so much. Um, we're gonna get into all of that. So thank you for being here, man. Yeah, man, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, man. I, but but I, I'm not thanking you for put, picking pineapples on the piece. I ain't gonna. I'm gonna let, let people know that off rap. You know what? You either <laughs> love it or you hate it. I just happen to love it. I know people are like, you know, hey, it's 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 not for your palate, but it's perfect for mine. And uh, I respect your palate. I appreciate you <laughs> respecting mine. You the guest. I thought it's your world. It's your world. Mm-hmm. But man, I want to start off by giving you a chance to just because you do a lot. You do so much. You've done so much, especially in the artistic space, which. A lot of people, I think it don't come to their mind when they think of like social justice work, artists, right? A mm-hmm. lot of times, right? And you do so many forms of it. And so, man, can you just give us like a abbreviated uh, introduction of just your life, your journey, and how some of the things that might have happened to you occurred kind of played into you becoming the man that you are, the artist, the activist that you are today? Yeah, man. So, um, I grew up in Western Kentucky, a small town called Madisonville. Not a whole lot of, um, 
not a whole lot of arts there, you know, a little bit, but I always knew that like I wanted to be on stage. I knew I wanted to be in front of people doing whatever it was that I was doing at that time. So, mm -hmm. so that meant like school plays, that meant like, be, you know, in church, whatever they had going on, I was always reaching for those opportunities to be on stage, to be, to present. And then people saw teachers and people in my church and community saw something in me. So I was always presented with opportunities as well. Where did that confidence come from? Because people just ain't like, I want to be on stage. I want to be, I want, I want the attention. Yeah. I don't remember a time in my life where I didn't want to do that. So mm. it was just like something that was just in innate. Yeah. Yeah. It was innate. Um, even though it, there were times when I was shy about it, where I was just like, you know, like if I had an opportunity, if I had like a spontaneous opportunity to get up and do something, I, I think about it. Like I know I'm getting up here, mm -hmm. but I'm a little nervous. I'm a little scared. I'm getting up here though. So right. I would do it. I would just hype myself up and get up there and then be the best feeling in the world. But so it was all about like entertaining at that time. You know, this is me as, as, as a little kid. And then um, as I continued to learn and have more experience, and I learned what it what it meant to be an artist. Mm -hmm. So it became adding like real artistry to um, that that desire to be on stage. Mm. And so, yeah. And so like as I grew up, I continued to just hone my skills in in different areas, acting and um, you know writing and performing poetry, etc. And Life experiences have helped me to get to the point where I am now, where I'm telling stories. Um, and it feeds into that activism, because I remember, um, when I always tell this story, when I was in the fourth grade, I wrote, there was, we had this essay contest. And um, it was about, like, if you were president, what would you do for the country? Mm -hmm. And so I wrote about helping people who were in poverty, and I wrote about helping those who are incarcerated. And um, so that was where my, that's where my mind was in fourth grade. So I knew my life has always been this intersection of, of like service and activism and then the arts. Right. And um, I remember writing the essay and we were, we were in play rehearsal at the end of the school day and the teacher, the, uh, the, someone, a receptionist or something from the main office that does the announcements mm -hmm. and they're like uh, and the uh, so now we'll announce the winners of the essay contest and I lean over to uh, somebody next to me and I'm like I'm sure a fifth grade fifth grader got it <laughs> <laughs> and then they call my name as a winner wow and so yeah I remember I don't I wish I still had the essay but I don't have it but I just being looking back on that moment and being proud that that's where my mind was mm -hmm. at that time Wow. At fourth grade, what was I thinking about? <laughs> it wasn't I mean, I was thinking about all the regular fourth grade stuff, too. Dodgeball <laughs> and everything else. But, <laughs> yeah, when it came to writing that essay. Man. And the, and the whole, like, prison one is, a, like, that, that stands out because, like, you can see homelessness, right? It's, I think that's, like, for even for any kids, you, you know, you can ask questions like, man, you see these people on the street. But prison, as a fourth grader, like, unless depends on your proximity to to that system was there anybody like how did that what do you think that came from well, I saw great I saw that more than I saw um, homelessness really because I'm from a small town like in in bigger cities you can walk downtown and see 
people out on the street. I'm from a small town of like 19, 20,000 people. Mm. So you didn't see homelessness like that, even though I'm sure it existed. People, homelessness looks different right. depending on the situation. So, you know, we think of homelessness as someone living outside, but, you know, people live in hotels and crashing on people's couches and stuff. So that's forms of homelessness too. So I didn't see that, but I definitely saw incarceration, not the way I see it today. Right. But I saw, you know, we had family members or people that we, you know, my friends, family members right. that were locked up, even if it was just in jail for a short stint. Right. You know, so I saw that more than I saw the homelessness. But I knew then that, then my, my perception of people incarcerated was different because I thought like everybody in prison or in jail um, did something to be there. And that's right. not always the case. And right. I always felt like, okay, they, they did something, so this is what happens. But I didn't know the system that played right. that made all those th- all those um, to, that made that possible on the right. level that it is. So, how did you keep your inspiration to continue? Because you from you know nineteen twenty thousand people, you know, it's a it's 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 not like it's a big city. And I, I guess it can have an adverse effect because if you're a smaller city and people know you're doing this, you can just get the whole city to support you because <laughs> you, you might be the only one doing it. But like opportunities though could also kind of be, you know, smaller, you know, a minimum because. You know, the city is small, the town is small. So how did you continue to find opportunities? Or, you know, of course you branched out of, you know, Madisonville eventually. How did you navigate that? So I was always a, I was a reader. Mm-hmm. So I was always reading books and I was a writer. So <clears throat> when I wasn't writing essays, I was writing short stories and poems and stuff like that. So th- that was like my escape. I would, I was always just inspired to write. So that's what I would be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, even when there weren't any opportunities, per se, I was still creating something. Mm. Stuff that never saw, some stuff never saw the light of day. You know what I'm saying? But right. I was always creating. So my inspiration came from that desire to say something. Um, and so I don't know, like, I just was always inspired. So I All just right. wrote a lot. And then we, then you know, we had to create our own opportunities. So when... Um, I just remember like trying to come up with like just putting together skits and stuff for school and 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 stuff at church and like even in the community like we would even do like dance routines outside you know right. stuff anything that that um, could put me in front of an audience is where I wanted to be right. I was doing it so we was like just creating our own stuff you right know? and that was the best we had until like any formal opportunities right. came along which. In Nashville, you see a lot more of that, but like in a small town, you don't. So, right. Yeah. Well, so in a small town in Madisonville, what are growing up? What are most people doing? Um, just so sports is mm-hmm. big. You know, any small town like high school sports is big, um, and just regular everyday small town living. Like. We didn't really know we were in a small town mm-hmm. until we got a little older. Right. Because we're just outside playing like any kid in any city, USA, right? So, right. Um, but yeah, you know, I didn't, it wasn't until I got to high school and particularly my like senior year, junior, senior year, when I was like, so ready to get out of this. Town. I'm ready <laughs> for college. Can we speed this up, please? <laughs> Man, mm-hmm. um, how did the city of Madisonville support you? Um, whether it may be immediate family, peers, or just community in general, because, you know, 
it sounds like you was kind of one of few or one on one in your community or even in your immediate family to kind of take art in this in this way, right? So how was that support or was that like what what is he doing? Why you just don't do this? Well, like we like was it any of that um, having to navigate and process that um, growing up in Madisonville? You know what? I got a ton of support from my family and my church, my community because. They just, they just like wanted, they empowered me in ways that they probably didn't even know. You know, they saw something right. in me. They saw me going after things. Right. So that everybody, people were just willing to like give me a word of encouragement to right. say, oh, if you ever need anything or just whatever. And so, um, so yeah, like I, I was so uplifted by my family that I didn't know what that was like to not have that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So like now... In, this, in the work that I do now, working with kids, I see, come across kids who don't have that support and I cannot even relate because right. I had it, you know, my family just always told me that I was gonna do something great. They didn't necessarily know it was gonna be the arts because I didn't get, they didn't, I think they probably saw it as like, oh, this is something that he, do, he does just like a kid might play basketball or whatever. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't until adulthood that they started looking at me like, oh, he's like, this is a lifelong mm -hmm. commitment that he has. And I get a ton of support. You know, when I take plays back home, um, just even beyond just like somebody coming to something, right. but just the support, you know, people pull me aside and say, hey, we see what you're doing, keep it up, you know, and that means a lot. And so you eventually went to Middle Tennessee State University. We both alumni there yes you yes. was there way before i got way there. before you got there we ain't gonna talk about the, the years <laughs> how um man how was that experience and how did that play into your evolution into like what you're doing in your in just acting and producing and your artistry so i uh wanted to go to tsu okay i, I wanted to go to, to a school outside of kentucky because i was in a couple of uh, or clubs and programs that where I ended up on in Kentucky on Kentucky campuses all the time and so throughout high school so I was like really ready to go somewhere that I hadn't been before so we I looked at some schools outside in other areas but discovered TSU it's like oh HBCU not far from home is in Nashville I like Nashville boom that's where I was going all the way up until really the last minute I made the switch to MTSU and I did that because they had a recording industry uh, program there. Their RIM program. Yeah, so yeah. I ended up, st I started out in that, didn't finish it, but um, I, I changed majors. But that's what got me to MTSU. And I, I do sometimes, like, think about, man, I, it would have been nice to have the HBCU experience, but I would not change my MTSU experience for anything because some of the, I had the, a, a great time, met some amazing people. And I was determined, like, if I'm paying this money to go to college, mm -hmm. I am going to get the most out of it. So that meant, like, I was involved with so many organizations and newspaper staff. Editor eventually became editor of the newspaper. Wow. Um, sidelines, yeah. So I did a whole lot of stuff. Urban Music Society, uh, African American Student Association, a wow. bunch of different organizations. Um was on the radio. I had a radio show right. <laughs> uh, for a few semesters. So yeah, I just I got a lot out of it. So, but that exposed me to things that I wasn't exposed to at home, mm -hmm. people I wasn't exposed to at home, 
and um, it just like helped shape me. And like even just doing open mics, right? That wasn't something that I was accustomed to at home. You right. know, we didn't have that. So being on a college campus and doing poetry and right. open mics and even and eventually hosting them myself. Right. So that was dope for me. Like, man, while you was going through that evolution in your artistry and growing, developing. Where did that in social justice start to kind of really merge and become like one and the same for you? Because I was always writing about the world. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, I can't really name where it happened. I felt like it was happening early on. Like I was always writing about something, an issue. Right. Even even elementary, middle school, I was writing right. about issues. People, too, in everyday life, but there right. was always, like, an issue there. Um, <clears throat> so I really... Man, that's fascinating, man, because usually... Like, because those are... These are deep things, deep thought. Deep uh, thought-provoking ideas and... And issues and people involved, hurt, trauma, and that you just diving right into, like fourth grade, like, yeah, let's get straight into it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get my level of sophistication with these issues weren't, wasn't what it is now, right. obviously, you know, right. like, I, and, and that's the thing, man, you learn by, by doing. So as an, as an actor, you know, you get a role, you, you know, you want to be on stage because this is your craft and you love it, you love the, you know, developing characters right being on stage in front of people but like you get a it's like doing a play is like if you treat it this way it could be like a class right so I, I, I say like your script is your textbook mm. and there's so much in there that you can learn about humanity you can learn about yourself you learn about these characters you learn about whatever issues it is they're going through right so it requires you to do research um if you want that level of performance right. that you see the greats give, right. you know what I'm saying? So right. it requires research, um, thought, mm -hmm. you know, uh, introspection, all those things. So as I'm, as I'm taking on these different roles, right. I'm learning too, and it's making me a better human being. So it's mm -hmm. not just like I'm doing right. this play and, I'm, and, and I do the play and then I'm on to the next. Like right. I've taken something from this experience. Right. And so I'm growing as, as I'm playing and so what I think is also unique well I think is it might not be as unique as I think it but I, <laughs> I I think is unique is that a lot of times especially uh actors and performers right they can really perform and dig into a particular social issue and then they kind of like hey I learned and then let me go on to the next role type of thing right with you just from the work that I see you do it's like no nah, I'm just not gonna just play this role in this character and just highlight it through my work. I'm actually going to do the work too, which I think that's the unique part, like, to me. It's like, mm -hmm. you actually going to prisons, right? Mm -hmm. You actually are working with youth. You actually are part of, like, community organizations that are trying to change policy, um, combat systemic racism, discrimination, white supremacy, all these things, man. So I think, for me, it makes me appreciate you and your work more than it would if somebody can just play the role of highlighting what is actually happening and then because it's not for everybody but it just yeah. makes me appreciate you man um and can you talk about that like this this one being on the stage or writing it for somebody to 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 highlight and uh, dramatize 
the things that you actually do and, and work with people that are affected by. Yeah, so I have a play, a one-man show called 23-1, and it's, um, the number stands for, it's a play about solitary confinement. So the number stands for the 23 hours a person spends in solitary confinement versus the one hour they get of rec time, which mm. <clears throat> if they get it, because, you right. know, prisons, all kind of stuff happens in prisons. But that's what, that's legal, you know, they right. get that one hour out and they spend 23 hours locked up. And so um, this was a show that I wanted to do for a while and it was the perfect, you know, it's perfect for a one-man show because this man is living in solitude for the most part. And so um, I wanted to, I wanted to do a show like that because I wanted people who come to my stuff just to be entertained, I wanted to give them something to make right. them think, like, okay, you're not going to come to this show and be able to turn this issue off. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, so I wanted to do something that that that's a part of my activism. You know, like writing right. a show about, about solitary confinement to show people how inhumane this is. Because I've watched documentaries and I've read articles about it, but I understand everybody's not doing that. Right. So, how do I get to those people who who don't know that people in solitary can spend years? And years there, right. locked up for 23 hours a day. So I, I work, I volunteer in a prison. I've done that for seven years. Um, so while I was developing the piece, I got an opportunity to talk to somebody, talk to people firsthand. And they were like, oh, when you, even though I had the story already written, they were giving me the nuances. They were right. like, oh, make sure that you, that you pace or that you talk to yourself. And, or, you know, they were telling me those things that, to add layers to my character. Wow, and so th and they're reflecting on what they do in yeah. in solitary confinement or just in confinement lockdown for twenty three hours, and giving that to you. Yeah. So they even have to think through like, okay, what am I doing for twenty three hours? Yeah. One guy told me that he was talking to himself and he didn't realize it that he had been talking to himself, but he he heard himself one day, and he was like, man, I just said that out loud. He thought he was thinking it. Wow. But like that's the trip that it does on your mind to right. be separated from other human beings, not being able to touch anybody, not being able to talk to anybody. Right. Just yeah, and so having their insight helps to add that extra layer of truth and honesty to the mm -hmm. piece. So it's something I like I take great care of it because I know that I'm not just up there as an actor, but I'm up there speaking for people who are unheard. Right. You know what I'm saying? So um, so that show is super special to me, and the reception that it got from the public yeah. meant a lot because you know people would come up and they would tell me stories, and they would cry, and you know, um, yeah, like just how incarceration incarceration has impacted families and communities. And right. Yeah. So, man, yeah. like I want to get on that feedback, man. Like, as any like what what what? How do you accept feedback? you know, um, criticism and all those things because I'm sure, like, you know, you do it long enough, you know, somebody say, hey, Sean, you know, hey, you know, I think you could have done this a little better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, so how, how how have you been able to use that, those compliments and criticism to just, you know, transform and just be a better version of you? Yeah, I'm sensitive, man. And I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm like, Erica, I'm sensitive about my... Um, but I had to, you know, like, I don't take, really, it's all in the way that you, it's all in the way that you give it to me. Because, like, I, I teach 
and National Children's Theater. We te part of our curriculum is giving them the tools to give um, feedback that is constructive mm -hmm. and that is um, that doesn't make people feel not tearing nobody down. Not tearing anybody down. So the kids learn that. So we're teaching them that at an early age. And so I think it's all about how it's delivered to me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, if you give me something constructive, if you tell me you don't like something. When that's it. Like, and that's it, it's like, okay, okay. Right, but right. I don't even know what to do with that. You right. don't like it. I don't know right. if that means, just like, you don't like pineapples, pineapples on pizza. pizza. You right. know, so I can think it's a palate thing. Right. But if you say, hey, I think if your piece could be a little bit stronger if you do X, Y, and Z. And I've been in playwriting workshops where that's what we do. We bring our stuff to the table and we all give each other constructive feedback. Right. And it's not just saying, oh, that wasn't good or I don't like it, but, oh, this could make it stronger. Or have right. you ever thought about this? Right. And so I'm totally open to feedback like right. that. And people have told me things and I'm like, oh, I didn't think about it like that. Even, right. even plays that I've already done, you know, like right. I've already put it in front of an audience. I've gone back and changed because somebody was like, ooh, this would be dope if you did that, right. you know? And so I think as an artist, you can't, you have to be open to that feedback. Right. Yeah. Man, what is the hardest thing about getting up on that stage, man, and, you know, performing in front of people you know, don't know, you know, complete strangers, somebody's got free tickets, who knows? Uh, what is the hardest part of that, man? Especially, especially about topics and issues that are real. <clears throat> Yeah, you know what? I, I what's the hardest part? It's home for me. Like, I love being on stage. Right. So, this is uh, a production. Then, what's the hardest part about this? Because you do more than just act, yeah. right? So you you in many different like you wear many hats, right? So let's talk about production, the whole thing. What's the hardest thing about? Because we get the we get the end money. result. <laughs> <laughs> the money, like having being a producer. So like having. Um, you know, just having the 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 funds to, right. to to create the vision that you want. Right. Sometimes I have it, sometimes I don't. But like not having it um, pushes you to be more creative. <laughs> yeah, you ain't lying. <laughs> so, um, so I mean, like if I had the the hardest part is like if I had unlimited access to fund. Not it doesn't have to be unlimited. If I had a bigger budget, I could hire somebody to do every single thing. Right. But because I don't. You know, I might be, right. you know, hammering some, right. you know, stuff together, and I might be doing my own shopping for props and stuff like that. So, right. um, which I don't mind doing, but like, you know, one day I'll be able to just hire somebody for every role. Like, right. I hire for the stuff that I can't do, like right. somebody who designs the lights. Um, I have a little bit of experience with that, but I'm not. That's not my area of right. expertise or my area where I where I like that I like doing. I like coming up <laughs> with the. Looks, you can, but yeah, I, love, I want somebody else to architect it. Yeah. So, um, but as far as the performing aspect of it, um, you know, like I'll tell you something. I'll tell you a story. So I directed this show, right? And uh, I wasn't in it, just director producing it. And then so we did it. We had a great run. Uh huh. And then um, we wanted to remount it. <clears throat> At the last minute. Um, the actor who played the one of the leads, he's like the only guy in the play, in the plays. One guy, three women. He uh, was out of town. He 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 couldn't make it back. So I I had this like had to either nobody was gonna be able to step in in this short amount of time. 
Right. So I, it was like either we cancel this show or I got to go in. Right. I don't know these lines, but I know them better than anybody else would because I've directed the show. So I had to do like an intensive few days to like maybe three days to learn these lines that we rehearsed for weeks. Right. <laughs> the character is um, blindfolded for most of the play. Um, he's tied up for most of the play. And he's in one spot. And you never know, like, how much you use your senses until mm. they're taken away from you. <laughs> so, like, how much it helps you with, like, just being able to see, look into somebody's eyes to see where they're walking helps trigger lines in your head. Right. When you don't have any of that, you're just, like, it's just your brain. And right. I'm literally visualizing where things are on the page. And I can't look at anybody right. or anything like that. And my hearing went up. Mm. I could hear everything. Right. And that was like one of the most difficult experiences ever because I was ner- I was super nervous. Right. But to go out there, it took bravery to go out there because mm-hmm. I almost backed out, man. I was like, uh, we're going to cancel this show. <laughs> and one of my co-stars, she was like, uh, one, of my, uh, one of my castmates, she was like, uh, you better get on the stage. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And it turned out pretty good. You know, it wasn't right. perfect. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be because I didn't have enough preparation. But I did a, a pretty good job. And the, and the audience, they didn't know any different. You know what I'm saying? How do you... This this is this is amazing to me. Well, I know it's different, like, in movies and stuff, right? But with the lines, the, like... Remembering, <laughs> so I'd be like, "Damn, they remembering a lot of lines." Like, in the in the when I think about the movies, I'm like, "Well, you know, it's digital. They can stop, come in. You know, they probably got cues and stuff." But when you on stage, it's like you like you live. Like, they know like, if you, <clears> and, and if you do mess up, you got to mess up in a way that people don't know. You know, so how does <laughs> <laughs> so how does that like? Like, I'm sure you've forgotten lines, right? Like, you know, just in, I'm sure you. Yeah, how you do know. you, how do you, like, how do you manage that, man? You just, your mind, when your mind just go blank and you like, like. Man, and it feels like an eternity, like seconds of blank, even if it's not you. Even right. if it's somebody on stage with you and you're like, say your line or you're trying to, your, your mind starts to, to work. Like, what can I do to cover this? Right. You know, with, with, with film, which I've done film stuff too. You're, you're shooting in short chunks. Like, you might, it depends on the, the situation, but you might just be shooting a page, page and a half, or even a portion of the page. Right. With a play, you've spent so many weeks mm-hmm. rehearsing, and you want things to go perfectly. You want things to go as you, you know, have been rehearsing, but it's just, that's not realistic. But that's also part of the thrill of it, too. Mm-hmm. You know, like... When something goes wrong, and we've ha- I've had everything go wrong, like s- stuff like s- a prop, like something <laughs> hanging on the wall fall, uh, <laughs> somebody not coming in to the scene. Right. One time we were doing, we were, we were on stage, and this guy did not come into the scene. So like, we need his character to push the scene along. Right. He wasn't there, and then it was like, okay, he's just a little late, and then he still wasn't there. And wow. he still wasn't there. And so we're just talking, making stuff up. Improv. Yeah. So you have to have that skill, too. Wow. Um, 
I think so, I could do it. I think I could be. I that think you man. could. I think anybody could, man. I think you know, like I think with the proper training, everybody's not a natural. But right. like, if you get some experience under your belt, and you know, I'm I'm all for putting people on stage, even those people who are unpolished or really green. I right. love that because the the arts is transformative. Like somebody told me once that she could not. She learned how to read better just by being in my plays. Wow. She was some. When I met her, she. Um, was you know she was a recovering addict she was mm. fresh out of her you know addiction still going through the process she was um didn't have any front teeth like all of that you right. know and so she was like i want to be an actor and i was just like okay right. here's my number right and so to and to see her on stage months later you know bright smile made up and right. uh making the audience laugh right. you know that's success to me you right. know if i don't ever make millions if i never you know end up on a, the big screen or whatever like seeing people's lives transform mm -hmm. that's what i do it for so let's get deep uh -oh. i didn't warm you up now uh oh i thought we were deep we ain't deep we ain't okay. deep okay. yet uh -oh. we ain't I'm deep yet getting, we ain't we ain't deep yet nervous. Take a sip of water. So this is I'm then we're gonna bring up some some issues that I have. Okay. And then we, we then I want to get back into oh, your scared. work. Into your work. You, <laughs> <laughs> Don't be scared. You better take it back by the pizza if you're scared. <laughs> <laughs> but now um when it comes to acting, actors, actresses, especially black ones for me, right? And I want your thoughts on this. I feel that black folks should not be perpetuating particular stereotypes, which are typically all negative when it comes to, to, to black folks, especially black men, or harmful when it comes to, to movies. And I started to think about this more when I was just living abroad because the propaganda, people will come up to me and say, hey, do you do this, do you do that? Have you done this? Do you know anybody done these things? And I'm like, where are you learning this from? How are you how are you getting this this information, right? This perspective of every all black folks, right? And it's coming from our media sources, right? So I started to ask myself, you know, what accountability do our actors have um, when it comes to perpetuating negative stereotypes about our culture, about our community? Especially if it's the ones that we trying to combat and fight, you know, um, with our voices and through social activism and things like that. But we continue to perpetuate these things and put it out there as if, you know, um, that is norm, as if like this is who we are and this is what encompasses most of our culture and community. Great question. Can you give me? Um, I know exactly what you mean, but I would love for you to say like an example okay. of stereotypes. Okay. Well. So many. Uh, I mean, it is really, it's really a lot. But I think there are many of our black actors that may play roles that glorify uh, drug dealing or drug usage, um, criminal violence, um, or just going to jail. Like just, you know, just like as if that is a like as if we all go through the same journey in life. Mm -hmm. um, those are the ones that the immediate come to my immediately come to my mind that I think is perpetuated a lot when I hear the things like all or like the deadbeat father, black man father, 
Like, I think those are some of the things that stick with me that I think are, like, continuously perpetuated that we're trying to fight them, trying to say, hey, no, no. Like, there's great black fathers, but when I see it in a movie, it's like, it's like he, he's always, like, a Debbie dad or has anger issues. Um, you know, I think, I, think, I think Tyler Perry did a good job. Uh, I can't, well, Idris Alba... I forgot the name of the movie though. Daddy's little girl. Yeah, yeah. I think that was a, re- a really great representation of like, like a, a black. But you don't see like that's like how many people seen that? You know, and because I don't think that was one of his biggest films. I think that was the one I appreciated most because of the angle and the storytelling that he took, um, and kind of void that he was filling with that. But you don't see a lot of that. It's always the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. Um, our relationship with police. Um, Even just the angry black woman, um, so I think I think it's just perpetuated a lot um, in our film industry, um, in our entertainment industry, and then of course like you you know, um, but that's just on the film right side yeah. of it. Um, I'm not even getting to music, but it's just on the film where people can visually see. And so I always just like, man, do we like could, like if we're gonna think bigger, like as far as about the culture, not individually, like. Could we just say, nah, it's, it's not a role that I think I feel comfortable playing because of what it perpetuates that I'm really trying to combat, and I know that's not that's not the that's not the, the narrative for all of us. But if we continue playing those roles, if we continue, you know, like what else are people to think? What's going on, everybody? This is Jerome Moore, creator and host of Deepest Conversations. And I know y'all enjoying this episode, but just real quickly, make sure y'all hit that subscribe button and hit that notification so you can be notified when we drop new episodes and interviews, all right? I appreciate all love and support, and let's get back to this episode. So, man, I have so many things going through my head. So, one of those things is like, so I, I talked about me being a, a RIM major, recording industry major, when I first went to college, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I switched to sociology. And so it makes me think of W.E.B. Du Bois' concept of double consciousness that a black man has in America. And so that I'm, I'm applying that to a, to a black actor. So um, as an actor, you just want to be able to um, play different types of roles, to stretch, to do something that's totally different from who you are, and, um, and to play like so many different aspects of humanity. You know, that's the mm-hmm. fun part. That's the thrill. That's right. where you get something out of it. And then, uh, but as a black actor, you have the weight of where we are in America. Uh, you have America's history of stereotypes, stigmas, all that. Think about the cartoons of right. like the, the those racist cartoons. So right. like, so you have to, so it's a it's a it's a delicate it's a it's a balance of like um, trying to figure out like oh I want to work and I want to do this role. Um, and I want to make some money, but I also don't want to just do anything. Right. And acting is about choices, right? right. You like, you're going to choose what you audition for. You're choosing what roles you will accept. Right. And once you, once you accept those roles, you're making choices about the character. Um, Carrie Washington said something years ago that has stuck with me. She said, um, if I play, uh, if I give humanity to every role, I'll never play a stereotype. And so that's something I think about. Hmm. Um, uh, that's something that really resonated with me. So, cause like break that is, down. What is that? What is? Cause it seems like that. Like that's not possible. Like in a way. Well, I was so if I, think, I play humanity in every role, I, I never. 
be a stereotype. If I give humanity, if, if I give, you, uh, to, yeah, to every role. So, like, the, this is how I perceived it. It's like, what we see on, like, even if you have, like, somebody who's a, a drug dealer, you see the, um, you see a lot of times the one-dimensional drug dealer. Right. You don't see anything else. You don't see any complexities. You don't see any nuances. I don't know if you ever see, did you see the movie Moonlight? Yep. So, um, Mahershala Ali uh-huh. played a, a drug dealer in, in, in that film, but he also played this father-type figure to this little boy. Um, he had redeeming qualities. He wasn't a monster. You know what right. I'm saying? So they gave him layers. Right. And and Mahershala, the type of actor he is, he probably, you know, really dug deep to kind of find the different layers mm-hmm. to make this character more than just like your typical drug dealer role. Drug yeah, dealer. yeah, no, yeah, no, like, like he did his thing on that. Yeah. yeah. So like I think it's it's the actor's job. If you're gonna accept roles like that, then you should um you should do the work to give to show a full character and not a caricature a caricature right and also I'll add this and then I'll let you respond so like I think Tyler Perry gets a bad rap okay and um, people Tyler Perry does a lot of good for you know uh, um, employing a lot of black people in front of the camera and behind. And you can't knock his hustle. Like, even if you don't like his work or don't like everything he's done, right? he has built an empire. <laughs> yeah. But he gets... What's, what's the bad rap? Yeah. He, the, I mean, you know, people, you know, like, you know, like they... Uh, he giving us some insider pro- producing. No, this is like... <laughs> no, this is like, you know, people, you know, slammed him for... Slammed some of his shows or some of his movies. Like, oh, he, he, he writes... It's, his movies are about the same thing. He repeats stuff, and right. or they 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 criticize the acting, right. some of the acting or whatever. But um, Tyler Perry is making the type of content that he has been called to make, that he feels mm-hmm. compelled to make. Right. He is very different from Spike Lee, mm-hmm. and um, we should we should have a place where one. Because there's not enough right. of us doing it, right? We put the weight on one or two people, right? When there should be, uh, we should have this um, this spectrum, right? Of black artists or black directors and creators, right? Where we can just pick what we like, so we don't have to criticize. Even if you don't like Tyler Perry, you don't have to criti- You don't have to say, oh, "I'm sick of it." Blah 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 blah. Right, right. You just don't have to watch it, but you have other things to choose from. Right. And that's getting better. Like I've been like watching Netflix and Hulu and stuff more, and I've been seeing content that I had never heard of. So it's been encouraging <laughs> I, to I, see. I think the industry is being more intentional, but also I think it's so much independency now. Like we both can go on YouTube and, you know, if you got a camera, if you got a phone, you can create, you know what I'm saying, whatever you want to create and try to get your message out and grow and learn. And that might be picked up by Netflix or mm-hmm. HBO or, you know, no. So I think a lot of that has to do with it, too. Um, but I still believe, and then we're going to get deeper, that Hollywood and the entertainment is just, is, is just so... It's still dominated by white, not just by on the screen, but financially. Yeah, yeah, right. And so when I when I sent a thing about, it, I was like, and we, you know, 
this this comes up all the time about the Oscars and stuff like that and awards and when it comes to these things of like black actors or people of color that don't get their you know don't get their awards or don't get their their the the accolades that they deserve mm -hmm. and so me being who I am and you know let's power the people what comes to my mind is like why don't we see many people of color minorities when we now it's open like it's it's so much in the, it's open now if they complaining about like the system um of of of, of entertainment that they're in if they complain about just the discrimination that they have faced whether it may be from roles or even financially pay wages and things like that why don't more of them just go ahead and say well i'm just doing my own thing then like do like tyler perry and and you can produce you can act you can do your own thing because talent is talent and you've been in it especially if you feel like the 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 gatekeepers the ones that be are not um allowing you to be the the great person that you are be your best um and you know it's all intertwined with white supremacy, discrimination, racism that has existed in Hollywood that we know people speak about it. When are we going to see more of like independency in it? Or why don't we see more uh, of independency and just branching off from the, the bigger like uh, industry? I don't know, man. I think um, I think it's difficult for people who who are in the industry and they have that um, that like some level of celebrity or you know they've been right. in stuff different movies and stuff like that I think it might be harder for those people as opposed to the people who are just coming up and doing it themselves and never experienced the Hollywood system right um, man I don't know I think it's like I'm gonna tell oh, you who I like who you interview I think he dope <clears throat> um, Nate Parker yeah he, man, he's a dope actor. Man, his man. movies. I think the last two movies that he did, um, that I that I know he did, um, American Skin. American Skin. That did. Now, American Skin is exactly probably what I would do. <laughs> it was I, I I think that got swept up under the rug. I think for many reasons. Um, man, that was powerful. Man, I would want to, I like, man, I, that's a person that I would want to talk to because I think what he's doing is like, like, it's, it's so brave and courageous and he knows the, he knows what the, the repercussions that are going to come with it, right? And he does it anyway. And then when he did, um, um, Birth of a Nation, base, Birth of a Nation of, um, Nat Turner, Nat, Nat Turner mm -hmm. another one. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't even play it in some theaters, right? Yeah. And so, like, I, 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 so you know, you know, like, it's in some intentionality of blocking or trying to block those type of things. But, man, I, I like, I don't know him personally, of course. Like, everybody ain't big time like you to be able to interview these right. type of people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, like, <laughs> man, I, from afar, I really admire that work that he does because it's so much intentionality and he's, mm -hmm. and he's, Really painting the picture that many of us really want to act on, right? Especially American skin, like like what black father or even mother wouldn't want to respond in the same same way, and they end up killing them at the end anyway. Hope I ain't giving away to nobody, but it's been out for a minute. But <laughs> um, but like even like man, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I want to see more of that. Yeah, and he, but you know, one thing he does too is he does um, he has a program, a youth program, um, training 
young people to make films. So mm -hmm. I think it's um, it's about like passing down those lessons and passing down that, that training to, right. to, to kids in our community right. and empowering them to, it's kind of like, so like um, music is different now. Right. So like it used to be the record labels, are, you know, they're still out there, but they don't have the power that they used to have. You know right. what I'm saying? So like now, if you look at somebody like Chance the Rapper or whatever, how uh, his come up was just like so many artists come up uh, and on the independent route and then they have these label offers and they choose to remain independent because they're like you know I'm doing my thing I'm, I'm making right. more money I don't have to do any split I, you know I can I can do partnerships but I don't have to sign to anybody right and so I'm hoping that we get to a point in the film industry that that the generation coming up after us right. feels that that level of empowerment right. and they have the access and the tools to to like earn a living, right. put their stuff out without using Hollywood. If that's the if that's the route they they choose to take. Man, is there a role that you won't play? Ooh. Um there is not a role that I wouldn't give consideration to. <laughs> nah, see, nah, nah. See, see how you try to give us this answer, y'all. Is there a role, have you said to yourself, regardless of how much money is on the table? <clears throat> no, I don't want no political answer, Sean. I want straightforward to the point, all right? Is there a role that, no, regardless of the money, regardless of the accolades that could be involved in it and all that, that you would absolutely won't even give consideration to? No. Okay. Um, I okay. don't think so. Um, okay. I think, uh, so here's here's some things. <laughs> I, 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 it's like the, the writing's got to be good. Okay. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not motivated by money in that way, but like right. money's got to make sense. Right. I don't want to do anything that's, that's going to, I'm not going to do anything just for money. I'm not going to do anything that um, my daughter uh would be embarrassed by. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing that <clears throat> for. Um, We're gonna get deep in a minute. We're gonna bring something up. So like, if something, if it's like, if it's going to embarrass my child or shame my mother, um, then that's gonna be that would be a difficult decision for me to make to go against right. that. Everybody else, <clears throat> not to say I'm, I don't care about what other people think, because I do. Um, so, but like my mom and my daughter are deal breakers. So if I can't, if there's something that they can't understand or they can't wrap their minds around it, uh, I, I don't see me doing it. So there's this narrative. We, hopefully you can give us some insight, you know, since you, you know, big time and everything. Okay. There's this narrative, especially about black men in entertainment and movies about putting on the dress <laughs> you know where I'm going about putting on the dress, and it and and I don't know if it's true. I'm not in that space, but you hear a lot of people that are in that space in that industry um, talk about black men putting on the dress, and that is a way, uh, or or uh, yeah, a way um, to to basically like it's a way to take you to the top, but it also is a signal you're conforming and that you like hey you laying down for the white man you laying down for the industry you laying down you giving up your soul um what are your thoughts on that 
what are your thoughts? Because this is big because especially in our community where like there's still a lot of uh, homophobia, right? Um, it's still a, this this in the black community understanding that, especially on the screen, you know, being straight but playing somebody that may be a part of the gay community, you know. What are your What are your thoughts on that? And, and you have a daughter. You are a, a straight man. You know. What are your thoughts on that, man? Um. So, do you think it's something to it, or I, you know, it's hard for me to. It's hard for me to. Um, <laughs> it's hard for me to think. I, you know, I grew up watching <laughs> Martin. You know, and right Eddie Murphy. Right. You know, and, and you know, like. And and they would put on, you know, they had dresses for certain characters. And they you know blew up. And they blew up. And so, <laughs> and so yeah, they blew up. So, um, but then, but then you have men like Denzel. Never. I don't think I've never seen him put on the. No, Denzel. I, I don't think uh, Lawrence Fishburne has ever. But then you got Wesley Snipes who did Two Wong Fu. You know what I'm saying? Like these are all. Artists mm-hmm. and men who I admire, but they all make different choices. And I think it, it, it goes back to m- me saying, like, it's about choices. Like, Will Smith, when he did that movie, um, it's a play. Sheesh. Six Degrees of Separation. Mm, oh, yeah. And um, he he didn't want to kiss a guy on screen, and they did it like a kind of a cheap way. They cheated, you know what I'm saying? Right. So he didn't do it because um, he was worried about his son. But he, I remember in an interview saying that he wished that he had actually done it because he had, I guess, grown as an actor and had a different perspective, more comfortable with himself. And so he said he wished he had, he had made a different decision. But it's like you can only do, you know, actors will say, oh, you got to commit to the role, you know, whatever. Right. So if you can't commit, then don't do it. Right. I wouldn't want to do anything that's shaky. But back to your dress thing, um, I think that's up to the individual. White actors get to do whatever they want. And I think black actors should have that freedom. You're going to, if you, if you do it, you're going to take, you're going to have the people that laugh and don't take, and don't, and that's, they do it, for, right. you know, it's the laugh and that's it. And then you're going to have people that are like, Oh, he shouldn't be putting on a dress. So you got to deal with both of those man, things. That's hard, man. But I can't. I would be a hypocrite if I was just like, because it never bothered me watching. Right. Um, you know, watching the the comedians do it. Right. I don't think I saw a lot of like dramas. I mean, what's his name? Um, Ving Rhames did uh, yeah. Holiday Heart. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would be comfortable doing something like that, and right. I wouldn't want to like do it for money. And for the the people that re, that represents, um, I would want to do wouldn't want to do a disservice to right. those people. Like my boy, he did a, and, and he's an actor. He's like out in Hollywood, doing his things. He's in films and on TV shows and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And he did a, years ago. He did a play where he was in drag. I couldn't believe it. You know, he's right. like a big big. Bigger guy, masculine, you know, right. muscle dude. <laughs> and so, but he, I, we appreciated his bravery and right. his boldness. And, right. Uh, you know, he had on makeup and everything. We were cracking up, laughing, but we were just proud of him at the same time. I think it's that double consciousness, too, thing that you brought up earlier, that we have to consider these things where maybe other actors of different ethnic backgrounds don't have to worry about. But because of our journey and our experience, 
uh, in the United States, there are things that we we have to that are weighing heavy on us that like perception wise, right? Like, well, if I do this, am I feeding into you know these things, man? So look, um, our intern Caden, he has to you know give me at least one question to ask the guests. It's part of his internship, right? Yeah. And so, um, so he sent me his uh, questions. Uh, let me find them. <laughs> let me find. Here we go. So I got two, we got two questions. All right. All right. The first one is: Do you encounter people opposed to the work you do in prisons? Do I encounter people opposed to the work I do in prison? Mm-hmm. Not anybody that's ever spoken out loud to me. You know, mm-hmm. um, I do on social media. I hear. There's that narrative that, oh, prison is not supposed to be a vacation and blah, blah, blah. You know, you hear that. Right. But in the people in the community, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm surrounded by, like, activists and, right. and, you know, artists and, you know, people with empathy. Right. So a lot of people typically support mm-hmm. that I'm doing that. Okay. Two, the second question. Does giving focus to the past trauma of those who have committed heinous crimes hinder holding them responsible? That's a good question, Katie. That is a great question. So giving focus to those who have caused harm. I'm going to read it back for you. Yes, please. you're messing it up right now. (laughs) (laughs) Does giving focus to the past trauma of those who have committed heinous crimes hinder holding them responsible? I don't think so. Um, I think it, I think by, <coughs> sorry. You know it's deep when you got to take a sick of water. <laughs> like, Hold on, the pepper has got <laughs> If I'm understanding the, the question correctly, I think that um, putting that focus, so, so, you know, the narrative has always been told right. by the oppressor. You know right. what I'm saying? And so to have um, those who have been harmed to be able to turn the, to turn the focus around like, no, I, I wasn't a slave. I was enslaved. This right. is your burden to bear. Right. And so that to me is holding them accountable. Now, I know we, we're in, a, we're in a, a time where people have grown tired of seeing certain narratives. They're like, I'm tired of seeing slavery films. I'm tired of seeing uh, trauma films. And I I totally understand it. I think people should do what they need to do personally for their own mental health and well-being. And so if that's not something that you can take, Mm -hmm. then don't don't put yourself in that position. But um, I do think like having a Nate Parker or Ava DuVernay who was like, okay, these stories have been either not told or they've been told from a certain perspective, we're right. going to, like, right. we're going to take the camera in our hands and we're going to tell a story right. the way it should have been told. Yeah. I'm a, and I'm a big company. That's why I am. Um, and that's what I'm moving. I'm moving into producing because I want to see more of those stories, specifically for me, around community building, right? Because I don't think we see enough of those. We see, no. a, we see a lot of, like, what's going wrong in community, right, and what people are not doing and whatever's happening but we don't see like enough of like Sean's and you know other folks that are out there in our community really building like like I want to see more of that because I think like that'll help one intentionally like highlight 
the oppression that people are going through and the systemic and all the things people be educated but also it's like but we're not letting that hold us back right we're, we're being very intentional about combating and how we combat and this is how we doing it and i think that'll that'll help bring other communities together and community in the world together i think if we see more of that and have more of these conversations man and so that's why i'm that's why i'm really like i'm at that point like all right like like I already know, like how this is gonna start and this how it's gonna yeah. end because, like, you get to a point. There's only so many other angles you can have on the same narrative, right? Mm-hmm. So it just let's get to a point. It's like let's just get straight to the, the 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 building and the power and and the the positivity of of what came out of the negativity, yeah. right? That is or the the trauma and all that stuff, man. And so I really appreciate that. But that was a good question, Caden. Thank you, man. Yeah, Thank you, Caden. Yeah. Caden is back on doing the sound and everything, so y'all can't see him. But, yeah, that was um, a great question. You're working with youth. Mm-hmm. You're here in Nashville primarily, but you go back and forth between here and Madisonville, right? Mm-hmm. Man, what is what is what is the what is the future of like you know community around artistry look like, man? In Nashville, being you know a growing city, and I don't know if Madisonville is still growing. Um, hell, people might be having to move out to Madisonville. Nashville, <laughs> right, right. Nashville keeps it going the way it's going, man. 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 Um, what does it look like, man? How do you envision that? Well, I want to see more equity um, in in the Nashville art scene. Like me, I, I took break that I, down. I, I wanted I wanted to see. I started my theater company. It's called the Destiny Theater Experience. I, I started in 2007. Named after your daughter. Named after my daughter. She was born in 06. And then. Man, I got I do some hella research. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. You're a journalist. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I um, I started my company because I not only did I want to tell certain stories and one, and I, you know, and as an actor, that audition process can be grueling. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, you can hear a lot of no's. You get, as a black actor, you go into an audition and you're like, I wonder if they're going to hire any black actors for this role. There's no specific black actor. Right. So my chance is, do I have a chance? You know what I'm saying? Like that double consciousness thing. Right. And so like, I wanted a space where we didn't have to think about that. Like we can just be, you know, we can just be actors. And, you know, we can tell stories that are specifically about the black, about black experiences, but we can just be actors. So that's part of why I started my company. And, um... In that, in that process of telling these stories, some of them are about, there's some trauma in it, some of them are just comedies that we do, or some mm-hmm. of them are just about love or whatever. Right. Um, we, we build community right. through the relationships that we build through in the process of performing these shows. So we, right. build, we built a family that go beyond theater now. You know, So like, I love to see like um, two people that met during one of my shows and now they've been friends five, ten years now. You know what I'm saying? But back to, like, your original question, I want to see... I want to see in spaces that have historically been very white, Mm -hmm. um, I want to see more diversity in those spaces, and that's just not not just black, but... um, you know, differently abled, mm-hmm. um, other races and ethnicities. Right. I want to see us empower um, Kanye. There was I don't know how true this is, but it was an article that was like Kanye's doing a fashion show, the Skid Row fashion show in L.A., and they're gonna hire some of the 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 people who are struggling with homelessness 
for the factory, but also the idea of putting them in, in the show. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I'm like, okay, yeah, pay them, pay the people to, to model and let them keep the clothes. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. think I want people to be thinking about people who have been, or groups of people who have been shut out, mm-hmm. um, who have who have been who are vulnerable, who have been left out of certain spaces. And I'm seeing that happen mm-hmm. happening right. in Nashville. I see the effort being made. Okay, um, we got a long way to go as right. far as that's concerned, but I see the steps, right. and I can appreciate that. And I see, I see the effort being made on regular TV too. Like I've seen the diversity in commercials that I've seen right. in the, recently have right. has given me hope. I hope they maintain it, right. and I hope it's not the gimmick. Man, what role do you want to play in that here in Nashville, and I'm gonna say Madisonville too, because I know you give back a lot. What role do you want to play in that, um, creating that uh, equitable spaces and opportunity uh, going forward, man? Um, continuing to build so that I can like offer um, those opportunities on a professional basis. You know what I'm saying? Like, in my my I don't have like a professional theater company. It's more it's more like a community theater. But right. um, that I sounds try, better. I, I try. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like the, I like the word community theater, and I and I like um, I like community theater. But I also I, I whenever I have an opportunity to. Some, sometimes actors are volunteering their time. Sometimes right. we have situations. I try to create situations where I can pay them right. as well. So it just depends on the project. Right. But uh, so like continuing to build so that I can create more space for actors, not just black actors, but all right. types of actors. Right. But also like uh, penetrating those other spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you see as the biggest challenges of penetrating those other spaces? Just because they, it's like. So, like, um, if I'm a white director, I've lived in this white country, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, have had these experiences that have only involved white people. So, when if I'm a producer or director, I'm looking at it through the lens of, like, unless the show is, like, about black people. Even that, though, you're still looking at that through a white lens. Oh, you're still looking <laughs> at that through a white lens. Right. But, like, if you just have a show about people... Nine times out of ten, or ten times out of ten, it's not it's not going to cross their mind to say, right. "Hey, let's make let's make these characters, let's make four of these five characters black." Right. Or it's it's always going to be like right now. It's kind of like I, I'm casting five characters. None of them are race specific. Uh, we'll cast this we'll cast this black actor. She's good, mm-hmm. but the other ones are going to be white, right? Because I'm white, and I'm going to cast the world that I see. So right. that's like four mm. white people and one black. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. Like this woman, this casting director, this is outside of Nashville, she was talking about like how, I think she used the phrase like creative or edgy or something when casting. She was like, in these in these roles, I can be a little creative. I can be edgy. Casting a black person is creative or casting and edgy. A, a, an Asian person is edgy. Like, like, in her mind, she was doing, she was doing what she thought was good, and and that's better than somebody who's not even thinking like that. But it just goes to show you wow. the world that some people live in. Like, right. yeah, it was it was like she was getting props for it, and, and people were talking about how how pro- progressive this was, and how she was 
she was even saying that in, in, so, in, some, in so many words. But it was really like, mm, he actually is, that's not. Edgy, that's not creative. That's. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> them, the, like, you, you basically, you just came up with fancy ways to do a, affirmative action. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So this is like tokenism. And, you know right. what I'm saying? So like, and, and, man, and that's why I think the one of the, to add to that, to create the equitable, those equitable spaces, man, we got to talk about it more. Like, we got to, like, it's, like, because if, if it's happening all the time and we're only talking about it sometimes, like, then people are going to miss it, right? Yeah. You still going to get the, those those inequitable spaces and environments. And that's why, man, this platform is like, we're going to be intentional about talking it in different people's professional sector and stuff. And it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And because when now, hopefully, when somebody's watching this and they know you and they're a white producer or a writer or just a non-person of color, they can have a different lens now because, damn, I respect Sean. I know Sean is going to work. I'm, like, I yeah. never thought about that, yeah. right? And that's, and you know, um, might not want pineapples on my pizza, but what he's saying is good, right? But but yeah. like and so and so, man, I really appreciate you breaking that down, man. Uh, and I know you do so much more, uh, like just in the prisons and, and, and here in Nashville, in the community work. I know you do so much more, but I really wanted to to focus on that industry and how all those things that you work on affects that because I don't think it's talked about enough or it's talked about from people we can't we can't touch, we can't yeah. meet. Um, and it comes off different. It's like it's like they're complaining, or it happens at a time where they didn't get the deal that they wanted, mm -hmm. and so um, now they want to lash out. Where now here is coming from, I think a more um, communal, articulate, intelligent, brave uh, space. And man, you did it, man. I, I really appreciate you, man. Man, I appreciate the opportunity, and I do want to say a couple. A yeah, couple no, no, things. yeah, no. Say it's your, it's your wanna, show, man. I want to say that uh, I do. I see the work that my white colleagues here in Nashville are doing to create um, spaces to create space where there was that that wasn't there. It before, didn't exist. That didn't exist before, or it was very like little. Um, I've seen the effort and just the interaction in, in the conversations. Mm -hmm. um, it's not going to change overnight. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like some stuff is woven in the fabric and you have to literally like say, okay, let me take that strand right. out, <laughs> you right. know? And so, uh, so, but I do see the work being done. It just has to be maintained. So right. it's like, you know, everybody was protesting in 2020 because we was all in the house and everybody wanted to get out. We saw George... <laughs> Lord, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, but it's like, are you still doing that work that you were so deeply committed to? And I right. understand things have peaks and valleys. Right. Everything ain't going to be hot all the time. But right. even if you're not out there in the streets, you should be doing something in the spaces that you occupy right. to make that same difference that you were talking about right. before. Um, so, yeah, I see the work being done. I just think it needs to continue. Right. Um, and we can speed it up a little and, bit. But I mean, no, but that <laughs> consistency of just like that's why I'm not. I, man, I'm, it's, I'm I'm keeping my foot on the neck of white supremacy. If don't you don't want to hit nothing about this ain't for you because yeah. we gonna, because it's, it exists and so and white supremacy ain't stopping. So why I'm gonna stop talking about it and making right. people aware of it? And you might not catch it today. You might not catch it this year. But it might be next year. Like damn, I've been listening to the deepest conversations and I get it now. Somebody yeah. might it might be something that hit the mark or you experience something. Because we have in all of our spaces, we're affected by it. white, black, yellow, green, blue, whatever. Like you affected by it, yep. and we have to we have to maintain the intentionality, the combating it, and one of those ways is talking about it so people hear it and they can open up their eyes. And you you hear it enough, you'll start to be like, "Damn, boy, it must be something to this thing." Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. 
And I want to end on this, but I want to give you the last word, man. How can people get in contact with you, work with you here in Nashville and Madisonville, anywhere all over the country because we global, we international. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, first of all, I'm going to shout out a little, a little project that I'm working on. I'm um, one of your former guests, uh, Don Diener, with the Choosing oh, okay. Justice Initiative. I'm working on a project with her and her company called uh, Gideon 2.0. And what we're doing is we're um, highlighting the struggles and injustices of those who are who have um, in the court appointed the Tennessee court appointed um, council system. So people who have attorneys who have who, who are too who can't afford to hire attorneys, so they're given one by law, but um, feel that their attorneys are not giving them the, the, the best representation, the best re representation or any representation at all. Right. And the harm that it does, so people find themselves in, mm -hmm. in jail waiting and not knowing what's going on, their families suffer and all those. So we've been, we're working on this project to give voice to those people and their um and their families. Wow, so that's uh, I've been dope. doing interviews and, and, and wow. creating content. Wow. And that's gonna be coming real soon. So I, I just wanted to put that on people's radar. Um, another another um, intersection of activism and, and arts that I'm yeah. a part of. But uh, as far as people reaching me, um, I am on social media. Uh, Look, I got to plug this too. If you ever going through a hard time, let Sean know, because he's probably raised like a million dollar in cash app. <laughs> And funds to help with people. Please don't tell nobody else. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something, man. Ooh, I was look, like, look, yeah. man, you got us a hella support system, man. Like people, when you post, like, hey, I just ran into this homeless guy five minutes ago. <laughs> he needs twenty dollars to go to get him something to eat. Can y'all help me out? He end up with two thousand dollars. I'd be like, damn, he need to go man, on the fundraiser because Sean is amazing. Man, I don't know. I, my my network of friends. That might be a real story too. Y'all need to go down that, this timeline. Man, <laughs> literally thousands or like hundreds of people like you know having trouble paying rent. So yeah. I'm just like, I'm gonna throw this out there and yeah. my network. That's that's a testament to the relationship that I have with people because right. people show up and I'm just like, and people tell me all the time, we do this because we. You know, this is a good thing to do, but we trust yeah, you. Yeah, y'all you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so if y'all see uh, Jerome Moore needs some funding <laughs> on Sean. <laughs> and we don't even tell people, I don't even tell people anybody's name, so we keep it under, you know, we keep it, you know, protect people's identity. Well, hey, look, I'm putting it out there. I'm, I'm making The next one is for Jerome. <laughs> but um, social media. Yeah, Sean Witzel, I'm on Facebook, um, Twitter, um, Sean Witzel on Twitter. Okay. Um, Sean underscore Witzel on Instagram. Okay. Yeah, so. Man, look, man, I appreciate you, fam. Thank man, you for doing this. You. Thank you for picking a piece of a pineapple on it. Yep, I'm yep. Ain't gonna, I ain't going to get off on you on this pineapple. But it was good, though. It was good. And I got some pieces that only had, like, only had one pineapple on there. So okay. I was like, I was I was being strategic. Like, oh, all right, look. all right. Do, but, do uh, you think? I'm, going, I'm definitely taking this. No, nah, no, nah, yeah, it's yours. It's yours. <laughs> uh, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Deep Just Conversations. Again, thank you to the Baylor Company for sponsoring this episode, 312 for the great pizza and like I said we got two pieces there's one in the corner that y'all can't see alright so Sean appreciate it again yeah man thank you for the opportunity I loved uh, it it was a great conversation uh, uh, for sure man for sure you know it's gonna be fire man yeah yeah no alright see y'all later peace